0: You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If
1: you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. From me, from Nancy, from everyone at the Lovecast, a very happy feast of the ass, to all who celebrate. The Feast of the Ass falls every year on the 14th of January, so there is still time to get your Feast of the Ass decorations up. Basically, the wreath you just took down, put it back up, it'll do. Feast of the Ass, of course, used to be a Catholic feast day. It celebrated the donkey that carried Mary and the baby Jesus into Egypt, but it was first a pagan Roman holiday. Catholics stole that pagan Roman holiday from the Romans. Renamed it, just like the Catholics stole Saturnalia from the Romans, which became Christmas, and Lupercalia, which became Mardi Gras. So since the Catholics, my people, stopped celebrating the Feast of the Ass four centuries ago, I don't think we need to feel bad or guilty about stealing this one back. So a very happy Feast of the Ass to all of my listeners. I hope you spend January 14th with someone you love who just stepped out of the shower. All right, I am going to do it. I am sorry that I'm going to do this, but it can't be avoided. I'm going to talk about Saltburn. If you haven't yet seen Emerald Fennel's new movie and you want to avoid spoilers, or if you've already seen it and you are sick of talking about it, you might want to skip the rest of this week's intro. I will try not to give away any major plot points here, no big spoilers but there are a couple of observations I want to share about two specific scenes. The one scene everyone is talking about and the one scene no one is talking about. So the scene everyone is talking about the bathtub scene, Oliver played by Irish actor, Barry Keegan watches Felix played by Australian actor and it boy of the moment, Jacob Elordi while he takes a bath. Felix who doesn't know he's being watched has a wank in the tub Oliver slips into the bathroom after Felix leaves and slurps up some of the cummy bathwater before it can all go down the drain and then rims the drain as the last of Felix's cummy bathwater goes down it. All right, everybody's talking about this scene. This is the shocking scene. The the what-the-fuck scene, the oh-my-God scene, the scene people feel obligated to bring up so they can tell you how disgusted they were by it. But somehow... No one is talking about the scene where Oliver, again played by Barry Keegan, strips off after a funeral and digs a hole in the mound of dirt piled up on top of the fresh grave of one of the other main characters immediately after their funeral and fucks their grave to completion. So everyone's freaking out about the tub scene and no one, no one is freaking out about the grave scene. And I have a theory as to why. The tub scene in Saltburn freaked people out so much more than the grave scene in Saltburn because people could see themselves doing the tub thing, but not the grave thing. And so viewers felt implicated and exposed by the tub scene in a way they didn't by the grave scene. No, no, people will insist they were grossed out because shower drains are disgusting. One person on Twitter told me, oh my god, yuck, soap, scum, hair, pee, poop, quote, all of the body parts. Just because your tub is filthy doesn't mean everyone's tub is filthy. And the movie, which is kind of about the seething hatred the 1% have for the 0.01%, this movie is about wealthy people. These characters have staff. I was in a billionaire's house once overnight, and yeah, the tubs were clean. The drains (laughs) Were sparkling. And you know where else you're likely to encounter and possibly ingest trace amounts of fecal matter? On people's genitals, on their fingers, in Berlin, at the right party, at the wrong time, on their faces, maybe even while you celebrate the Feast of the Ass. People, admit it. The right person that you're obsessed with, the right bathtub, one that's clean, the right time when you're not being observed you would be tempted. And perhaps the best evidence, all of these elaborate expressions of disgust with the bathtub scene in Saltburn were not just performative, but a tell. Jacob Elordi's bathwater-scented candles are now being sold on Etsy, according to Into Magazine, a publication that celebrates the unapologetic authenticity of Gen Z, but not a publication that reports on how those candles got their Jacob Elordi scent. In the first place, or whether Alordi is getting a cut. Into in the same story, also reports that the Jacob Elordi bathtub water cocktail is being served in bars after going viral on TikTok, created by the mixologists at Mr. Consistent. The Jacob Alordi bathtub water cocktail is one part lisci martini mix, one part gin. One part coconut milk, put those ingredients in a cocktail shaker with ice, shake, strain, and serve in a glass rimmed with coconut milk. Gotta say the ice part seems weird since bathwater, semen, both usually served warm, but I am not a mixologist, so I will allow it. Look, I have observed on this show... Many times that mass cultural traumas have a way of being processed through our collective erotic imaginations, through our collective human subconscious, and then emerging on the other side as kinks. But it doesn't happen this fast to go from yuck, this bathtub scene to knocking back shots of bathtub water in a matter of weeks means people were at least as disgusted by this scene as they were aroused. And who can blame them? I mean, have you seen Jacob Elordi? So, when someone goes out of their way to tell you that particular scene in Saltburn was disgusting, Saltburn, a movie with numerous disgusting scenes, and they don't mention any of the other disgusting scenes, it's because they could see themselves in that scene. They could see themselves in that tub. They can see themselves with their tongues down that drain. All right, coming up on the Micro Savage Lovecast, tons of your Q, lots of my A. And this week's guest, Demona Hoffman, is here from the Dates and Mates podcast. Some of my conversation with Demona is on the micro. If you want to hear all of my conversation with Demona, you'll have to become a subscriber to the Savage Lovecast. We talk about Demona's new book, F the fairy tale. And Damona and I tackle some of my listener questions together. All that coming up on today's show. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, the very best tool for trimming your body hair. Go to meridiangrooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. This episode is brought to you by Talkspace, therapy made easy. Get $80 off your first month when you go to talkspace.com slash savage.
0: Hey, Dan and everybody. Cis woman in her 40s. I have been in a poly relationship with this man for about four years and we've come up against an issue with our future. Long story short, I want to live with him. He doesn't want to not live with the platonic partner that he's been sharing his life with for over a decade and a half. It's not a right now problem because I have kids that I live part time with and I'm not ready to live with this person right now, but I will be in a few years. And if we don't want the same thing, should I be looking for a partner who does? There's not space in my life right now for another such partner. And the thought of breaking up with him breaks my heart. Some could say we could all live together since we're poly, but that's just not a solution for me for many reasons. I don't know what to do. We're in counseling. I hope it helps. I hope we can find the magical compromise, but I don't know if it exists, and I'm afraid of abandoning myself for fear of losing this relationship.
1: He doesn't want to not live with his platonic partner. That means he doesn't want to live with you, that he can't live with you. He's been with this platonic partner of his for a decade and a half, you said. And it's an established relationship that your boyfriend of four years have no desire to exit. So, You can go into counseling, but if what you mean by we're in counseling together is I'm trying to figure out how I can get my way here, you may not, I I don't think you can get your way here. He's been very clear about that. You don't have to live together. I I know poly couples where they have apartments in the same building and they live on the same block. There are ways to make your relationship closer in the adjacency sense of the word closer But if what you're hoping to do in three or four years is convince this guy to leave the person that he's already told you he has no intention of leaving, you're just setting yourself up for devastation three years from now. Break up with him. You're not going to get from him in the long term what it is that you think that you want. And I say it like that, you're not going to get what it is that you think that you want because you can't know how you'll feel in three years, four years, however long it is until – Your kids aren't living with you part-time until your kids are grown and out of the house, which these days can be until your kids are in their mid-twenties. So if we're talking about kids who are 15 or 16 and you're thinking about them being out on their own when they're 18, that might not be how it plays out for you. It's not how it's playing out for a lot of people. These days in this economy, it might be a decade. And a decade from now, you might feel differently. A decade from now, you might not want to live with him. A decade from now... His primary partner may have died, been hit by an asteroid or a bus or something, and it won't even be an issue. Or it'll be an issue because he, for whatever reason, doesn't want to live with you, even if he could choose to live with you. Also a possibility. But if you can't picture yourself not living with this guy without also picturing yourself exploding, in a rage and being emotionally devastated three or four years out when you don't get your way, even with the help of a couples counselor or a thruples counselor, end the relationship now. If there's something in you, though, that can at least imagine a different kind of path, a different kind of relationship, a different kind of happiness, a different kind of settlement we're settling, you could keep seeing this guy. But if all you're gonna do over the next three or four years is process this conflict, Spare yourself and spare him and end it now and go find somebody else. This episode is brought to you by Dipsy, erotic audio stories made by women for women. Dipsy brings scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Listen to stories about threesomes, office romances, rough and wild hookups, and other genres. They're very creative over there at Dipsy. They are so creative that I am jealous there isn't a Dipsy for men like me. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and over half their stories are voice acted by people of color. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. The new releases they have right now include a straight couple doing it very quietly between the stacks at the library, a lesbian camping trip, and in their amazing Gods and Goddesses series, listen to Hades, God of the Underworld, spanking it to thoughts of Persephone. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and games you can play with a partner, a sexting tutorial, and tons of other classes and sexy stories you can read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, discover your fantasies, relax and unwind, or get hot with a partner. And a Dipsy membership makes the perfect beast of the ass gift. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. Dipsystories.com slash savage.
2: Hi, Dan. I have uh, been going to a gym, you know, as we all should at some point, but... Uh, I'm noticing that there are at any given moment at least one and sometimes upwards of five really obnoxious, stalker-like guys following people around, staring inappropriately. My boyfriend was even touched inappropriately by somebody and I just think it's gotten completely out of control. I'm wondering what is the etiquette? I mean, what do you say? What can you do? What does it make any sense to complain to the management? Does it make any difference to confront people directly and call them out on their bullshit? It's so frustrating, and I don't want it to deter either of us from feeling comfortable in that space. Uh, I just think it's so rude and inappropriate, and it's borderline like sexual harassment, honestly. So I just would be curious your take on it, and I really appreciate what you guys do for us. Looking forward to UpFest this year as well. Thank you.
1: If you say something to one of these guys when they're bothering you. Or if you complain to management and they crack down and maybe cancel a couple of people's memberships in the gym, you're going to ruin the vibe, maybe. Or you could be, paradoxically, bank shot, enhancing the vibe. The vibe about cruising in the locker rooms or the sauna at the gym is a transgressive vibe. People aren't supposed to do that. Everybody knows you're not supposed to do that. Some people do it because they're not supposed to do it. So when management at a gym that has a lot of gay members cracks down on action in the saunas or the showers and hangs a bunch of sign and cancels a couple of guys' memberships, it drives what is already eroticized as underground a little bit more underground, which in a way makes it a little hotter when two guys do manage to connect Despite the newly printed out flyers on eight and a half by eleven inch sheets of printer paper taped up on the doors to the stalls or the sauna saying "knock it the fuck off, guys," so it'll probably, if you go complain to the management, which is what I would encourage you to do, if it is bothering you, especially if it's progressed to the level where there's unwanted, unasked for, unwelcome touch, yeah, go complain to the management. Let them. Handle it. It'll probably dial it back significantly. It'll be less annoying. It won't eradicate it. And I don't necessarily think, as gay men, you and your boyfriend, you and your husband want it eradicated. I go to the gym. I do not shower at the gym. I do not use the sauna at the gym. I love to go to a hotel or a resort use the saunas there every single time. Not gonna use the sauna at the gym because I know this is gonna be happening in those saunas. And they've always been, for some gay men, public sex environments. And I guarantee you, for all the guys that you've noticed cruising or you noticed fucking around, there are four times as many that you didn't notice because they are playing by a certain set of social conventions and doing it successfully where the cruising is so subtle that guys who aren't being cruised or aren't actively cruising aren't even picking up on it. There's a certain confirmation bias at work here when people complain about the cruisy guys at the gym because those are the cruisy guys who have no cruisy game. Those are the ones you notice and you're like, oh, those guys are always like that. They're always here. And then there are probably just as many, if not more guys who are up for it, even looking for it, and it's so subtle, you don't notice it. So, I, I mean, on the one hand, like, I'm a prude. I don't want to, like, go sit in the sauna and have some guy next to me start jacking off. That I find that incredibly annoying. But I want there to be places in the world for those guys that they can enjoy. But I want you and your husband to feel safe at your gym, not to be sexually assaulted at your gym, which unwelcome touching would definitely legally, technically qualify as, I don't want to put the label sexual harassment on this. For me, that's kind of a gendered term. When men come at women in that lecherous way, there is a threat of violence because of millennia, thousands of years of male sexual violence and targeting of women and women being less physically powerful than men. It's something different. If these were men creeping around women in this way, but men, creep around men, it's sort of a draw. So I wouldn't want to put the label sexual harassment on it myself. Sex pests, you are being pestered and annoyed by this shit. You have every right to complain. And when you do complain and they do crack down, it won't stop. And in fact, for some of them, probably for the really expert guys that you weren't noticing doing the cruising, it's going to get a little hotter and feel a little sexier when they get away with it but you're less likely to notice it when they get away with it because they're the pros. You're gonna be making it hotter for the pros and you're gonna be getting a couple of the clumsy, inconsiderate oafs who don't know how to spot interest, some signal of interest from someone before they escalate to really leering cruising. You're gonna get that person bounced from the gym and they're gonna land at some other gym and pull that shit there and get bounced from that other gym too. Yeah, go complain. But let's not take this too seriously. On the list of problems facing the world, some gay guys at the gym checking out other gay guys at the gym, some gay guys at the gym sometimes having a wank in the sauna, pretty low on the list. The Savage Love Cast is sponsored by Talkspace. I know it sounds trite to make a connection between New Year's resolutions and finally getting therapy already, but really, if you've been waiting to get yourself the therapy, you need. Wait no more. Make getting on TalkSpace your New Year's resolution and one you'll keep because TalkSpace makes it so easy. Therapy can help you shift your perspective. It can be a tool that helps you cope in difficult times like these. And it can help you clarify your thoughts and be better able to communicate your thoughts to your partners and loved ones. Getting started is the important part. TalkSpace makes that easy and affordable. With TalkSpace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home. No need to commute to appointments, no missing time at work or lining up child care in order to get to your sessions. It's mental health care. Made easy. Therapy brought to you. Talkspace is affordable and in network with most major insurers. And as a listener of my show, you will get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com savage. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com savage to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com savage.
3: Hi Dan, I'm a 26-year-old head cis male from the Middle East of all places. I've never been able to climax by receiving oral. And while I enjoy it as a gesture, it's hard for me to get into the right headspace and, you know, let go of inhibitions and usually it causes me to lose my erection within a few minutes. Do you have perhaps any tips for getting into it and maybe, you know, finally climax when getting head?
1: What kind of head have you been getting, and from whom have you been getting that head? I assume, since you're a cishet male, that you've been getting head from cishet women. Well, have they been good at it? Has it been enthusiastic head? Do they know how to give head? Have they listened to their gay friends talk about sucking dicks? A good blowjob is a significant percentage, sometimes close to 50%. Hand job. Most people can't come from just oral stimulation alone. Most people can't sustain when they're giving head, when they're sucking a dick, you know, kind of suction pressure, bobbing up and down at the rate or pace that a guy might need. The bobbing up and down, really stroking someone with your mouth. A lot, most people, not even most gay people, can keep that up to a pace and an intensity level that can take somebody from into it and hard to ejaculating in your mouth. Some guys can. I know some of those guys personally. Shout out to those guys. I see you. You're valid. But most people, you got to incorporate a little bit of hand action, but a lot of people go into oral sex, go into sucking dick, with it somehow gotten into their head that they're not supposed to use anything but their mouths. Look, ma, no hands. That's what a blowjob is. No, that's not what a blowjob is. A blowjob is an oral enhanced hand job. Most of the time, if you can jack off and make yourself come, you can come during oral sex. If you know where your orgas your plateaus are as you approach, I love this phrase, the point of orgasmic inevitability. There's a, there are those plateaus of arousal where you're getting closer and closer, and if the stim keeps coming at this level, you're going to get to that point of orgasmic inevitability. You know your dick well enough to know those patterns. All right, incorporate your knowledge of your own dick into partnered oral sex. When there's a woman in your life who wants to suck your dick, you have to do a little bit of the work yourself too. Maybe you need to do a little bit of stroking, or maybe you just need to encourage your partner to use her hands. And she may have had previous partners who acted disappointed or butthurt because they didn't know anything about getting their dick sucked either either when she used her hands with a previous partner. Some women have attempted to use a hand to take a short break during giving a blowjob and been shamed by their male partner for not being good at it or not knowing how to do it when actually they were doing it right. So your female partner may need to hear from you that it's okay to use her hands. You may need to do some stroking yourself. You may need to stroke yourself while you're making out, rolling around, get yourself onto one of those arousal plateaus that's close to your point of an orgasmic inevitability before she starts to go down on you. And she's just carrying the ball for the last, the balls, for the last 10 yards. Every once in a while, like to have a sports metaphor here on the Savage Lovecast. Got it out of the way for 2024 in the first week. All that said, there are some people that just can't climax from oral sex. There are some guys who oral is just a kind of foreplay that it just doesn't hit the nerve endings and the dick right or it doesn't hit the biggest sex organ in our bodies the one between our ears just right and it just doesn't work for them and it may be if you experiment with hands and arousal plateaus and points of orgasmic inevitability you still can't get there and at a certain point you can say to yourself this is how my dick works oral doesn't work for my dick my dick works in all these other amazing awesome ways but oral for me is foreplay. And, you know, if you told that to your boyfriend, a lot of gay guys I know would be sorely disappointed. You tell that to your girlfriend, sad to say for the straight guys out there, a lot of girlfriends will be relieved. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, my new favorite tool for shaving down there. Meridian offers powerful trimmers that cut through even the coarsest hair, but their trimmers are gentle enough For your privates. You'll enjoy a comfortable shave below the belt with no nicks, cuts, or ingrowns. Meridian trimmers are for men, they're for women, they're for non-binary folks, and they're for any style, whether you prefer completely bare, neatly trimmed scruff, or a well-rounded bush. This high-quality waterproof trimmer is fitted with a 6,000 RPM motor, safe ceramic blades, and an anti-nick shaving guard. And Meridian has so many happy customers, over 1,000 star reviews online. With the Meridian trimmer, you can get your body hair looking just how you like it and feel good and sexy with your fuzz. Get a Meridian trimmer today for the ultimate trimming experience without the pain, discomfort, or awkwardness. Order now and take control of your grooming routine on your own terms. Listeners of the Savage Lovecast get an extra 15% off your order using the coupon code SAVAGE. Go to M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N grooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. You deserve a better and safer below-the-belt trimming experience, and with Meridian Trimmer, you can get one today. Hey, micro-listeners. This is the first part of my delicious interview with Demona Hoffman. Demona is the host of the Dates and Mates podcast. She's a regular contributor to The Drew Barrymore Show NPR, Washington Post, and she just came out with a book, F the Fairy Tale, Rewrite the Dating Myths and Rewrite Your Love Story. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Damona. Hey, Damona, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be with you again.
1: All right, before I get to the question, Damona, I want to talk with you about your terrific new book, which focuses less on how we're being done wrong on the dating scene, uh, and more on how we're wronging ourselves or uh, complicating our own search for love and how we need to get out of our own way. So to get right to it, what are the four big myths that people believe in and invest in that make dating so much harder?
4: Yeah, well, Dan, I've been coaching people on dating offline and online, especially uh, for the last 17 years. And I've seen a lot of shifts in this time, but I feel like we're really at a crisis point. And I had to identify what are the biggest blocks for finding love? And I, I, I line them up based on how people come to me chronologically in the dating process. So the beginning of the process, the myth, the belief that keeps a lot of people stuck is the list. It's like this, either this list that's a mile long and reads the same as everybody else's list, or it's No clarity at all on what we're looking for. So, when someone comes to me and says, Well, I'm looking for love, and I say, What are you looking for? And you say, I don't know. I'll know it when I see it. I realize we have a problem. Or I look at your list and it's like the same things that's on everybody else's list. Or
1: it's endless. I've always said that if there's more than five things on your list of deal breakers, it's too long.
4: Well, sure. Yeah, certainly. I I only give my clients three must haves and one deal breaker when we're really getting into the nitty gritty. But I think it's much more about the qualities that we're putting on this list. Like, what does it matter if he's six feet tall or he makes X amount of money? I want to get underneath that. And I want to look at, well, what are, first, what are your relationship goals? Like, what are you even looking for? Because a lot of times I'll find people are starting out in two different places and then they're trying to make, they're trying to make something fit that doesn't inherently, you're not on the same path. Mm -hmm. So we got to begin with looking at what are the myths. And then I, I, in F the Fairy Tale, I replaced all the myths with what I actually see are the pillars of long-term compatibility. Because most of the people who come to me for advice are looking for a relationship of many different types.
1: And and, and so instead of a list, you think people should be looking for shared goals.
4: We've got to start with the shared goals. But then we have to move on to shared values. And that's where the next myth comes in. And that is the rules myth. So I know you get a lot of questions on the on the Savage Lovecast about how to do this right. Like, everybody's looking for a hack. Everyone's looking for a shortcut. And we've all been told these incorrect things, really, about how we should even be looking for love. You know, we watched The Bachelor. And it's gamified it. You know, so many women read the rules. So many guys read the game. And um, it's just, it doesn't necessarily apply to today's dating life.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. We haven't talked about the rules girls and the rules books, which were a huge thing in the aughts, the pickup artists and their manuals for straight guys, which seem to have curdled now into the rank misogyny of people like Andrew Tate. And yet people, even though I, I think people can't identify the rules or the rules girls, somehow this has embedded itself in our cultural memory and people think there's a game they need to play a a, a way they need to behave marks they need to hit and if they can just do that dance correctly if they can just dance the dating charleston perfectly it'll happen for them when in reality there are no rules and nobody knows what they're doing and everybody sort of stumbles into it you know when i think of the list And that really spoke to me reading about lists and goals and my own experience because all I wanted when I was single and 30 was a guy who was older than me, made more money than I did, was kinkier than I was because I was tired of being the freak in every relationship and had a real job as opposed to my jokey I tell (laughs) dick jokes job. Like I talk about sex and riff. And I met a guy who was seven years younger than I was, worked in a video store, made less money, and was completely vanilla. But our goals were the same, Mm. including a long-term partnership, including we quickly discovered we both wanted to have kids. And once we realized that the goals were the same, all those arbitrary things that I thought I wanted, that were on my list of deal breakers and what a guy had to have, went out the window,
4: yeah. And regardless of our starting point, whether we've read the rules or the game or we've we've subscribed to those rules and belief systems, we've written our own rules and many times we've written them wrong. So it, it might even be something different that for you that doesn't align with what you would read in those those books, but if it's not leading you towards the ultimate goal for you, which you know in your case was a relationship and moving towards if you if it's not moving at you towards that it's really just wasting your time, and time's our most valuable resource. We're not getting any more of it. We're not I mean, getting any younger, Dad. I'm the, to break b- it to you.
1: That's what I was doing, actually. That's why I gave Terry a chance. It was like, okay, this is—he's hot. He's this hot twink. Like, we're not right for each other. There's no long-term potential here. I'm just going to fuck the shit out of him for three months. I'm just going to like enjoy this butt for the summer. And by the end of the <laughs> summer, I'd fallen in love with the butt and everything attached to it. Uh, I, 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 I want to zoom out for a second, though, because talking to people about who they're dating, how they're dating, presumes that people can find a person they're interested in dating. And there's been a lot of writing, including in the Washington Post recently, a very famous op-ed, and I'm going to quote from it, a growing number of women are discovering that they can't find suitable male partners. As a whole, men are increasingly struggling with or suffering from higher unemployment, lower rates of educational attainment, more drug addiction, deaths of despair, and generally less purpose and direction in their lives than women. And so what's your advice for the women out there who are open to dating, open to focusing on goals and and not a list, um, aren't obsessed with chemistry but are into communication, don't believe in the myth of the soulmate or the one which I've been railing against for 30 years. There is no the one. There's the .78 that you round the fuck up to the one who's doing (laughs) the same favor for you. You're no one's one either. If somebody reads your book, let's go of the fairy tales, and is having a hard time finding someone, especially straight women or bi women who want male partners, which is most bi women, what's your advice for them?
4: The key is in a word that you used a minute ago. You said suitable partners. And that's where we go back to the list because so many things that you mentioned that are quote, suitable, are really relics of prior generations. Like even the idea, well, as a hetero woman, I need a guy who's more educated than I am, who's more financially successful than I am. That was based on a taller. system. Taller. Taller. I, I do dating math and F the fairy tale for you if you want someone that's <laughs> taller, over six feet, over 6'4". Good luck to you, ma'am. <laughs> but when we start doing that dating math for ourselves, we forget that those belief systems were were seated at a time when we didn't have the ability to make our own money. where Women were not graduating with advanced degrees at higher rates than men. When we were not upwardly mobile in our careers, where we couldn't even get a mortgage in our own name. Like, there were so many systems that were in place that kept women from being able to live our
1: best lives. That also gave men unrealistic expectations, because for a woman to exist legally, to have an income, to have some security, she eventually had to settle on a man. And we don't live in that world anymore, and a lot of men aren't quite wrapping their heads around that, that, that dating and marriage for women isn't a game of musical chairs that they can lose as spectacularly as the system was set up for women to lose it in the past, where you were a spinster and you didn't exist legally and were a burden to your family, but you you couldn't get an education. You couldn't be a lawyer. You couldn't make money. And that sort of created a dating and mating and marriage system that did a lot of favors for shitty men. And there's a lot of men out there who don't realize that they don't have the luxury of being shitty men anymore because women will choose no man over shitty men. Demona and I had a lot more to talk about. We took a call about men trying to weasel out of using condoms and just chatted until we simply had to stop. You can find the rest of my conversation with Demona and so much more at savage.love when you subscribe to the Magnum version of the show.
3: Hey, Dan, what's up? Uh, I'm a 43-year-old male. Day hooked up with uh, this guy we just fooled around we didn't have sex or anything he had no pre he had a giant cock good shape very good looking guy he's probably uh, 65 years old so I'm 40 I'm 43 the thing about it is so he, he's into BDSM and I've never experienced that I, I'm not into pain or anything like that and uh, so a, a week went by and he just messaged me. and He's like, I'm looking to plow some ass. Would you be down for like a, a, a ball gig and then me to handcuff you? And it was just kind of weird to think about because I'm like, I like to be in control. If I'm having sex with somebody, and obviously that's his kink. Like he wants to do that. And I'm like, I responded, I said, maybe eventually if we get to know each other, I didn't say if we get to know each other, but I just said maybe eventually. It's hot to think about, but at the same time, I don't think I would ever want to do it just because I think it would hurt too much, uh, <laughs> to be honest. I haven't been having a lot of sex or anything, and it would freak me out if something hurt and I had no control of it and I was handcuffed or something. And with a ball gag or something. I, it just reminds me of, like, a South Park cartoon or something. I'm not into that stuff, but he is. And I want to be nice and not be a jerk about his kink. So what what do you suggest I do? Since I don't know him. Like, if I knew somebody, we got to know each other. Like, I might feel comfortable with something like that. But I don't, I've only met up with him once. And I think he's into bash which is cool with me, but like, I don't know, the BDSM stuff, it just kind of freaks me out. What do you think I should do? How how should I respond to him? Or should I just ghost him and just, I mean, he, he's hot. It's just, I, I'm just not into his kinks.
1: If you're not into this, just say no. Everything you said to me in your call is a perfectly reasonable thing for you to relay to him. We don't know each other that well. This isn't something that I'm interested in. Maybe if I got to know you better, this is something that I might be willing to explore. But at least for now, if we're going to hook up again, no handcuffs, no ball gags. Even if you were willing to experiment with a little light bondage, and handcuffs do qualify as light bondage with him at some point in the future – Ball gags are challenging. Ball gags are uncomfortable. A ball gag is really only a fun sex toy for someone who is independently aroused, independently aroused by the thought of having a ball gag in, regardless of whether it arouses the person who is putting that ball gag in their mouth as well. So you should just rule ball gags the fuck out if bondage gags has never really appealed to you. But you may get to a point where you like this guy well enough that allowing him to tie you up in a simple way is a place you would feel comfortable going and wind up feeling excited about going. I talked about GGG Forever, Good Giving and Game, Amy Muse, a sex researcher investigated that, did a lot of research, came up with a sex researcher, fancier term for it, communal sexual motivation. If you are so motivated at some point in the future, as your connection and feelings of affection for this guy continue to grow, that you want to go there, it may be not just exciting for him to get to put you in handcuffs and fuck you, it may be equally as exciting for you. Not because handcuffs are a particular pleasure of yours, but because giving him that pleasure will please you as well. But it's not going to please you right now. And just because he tossed it out there, you aren't obligated to say yes. Everything you said is a perfectly legitimate response to what he said. He's, guys barely know each other, but you know enough about him to know that he's kinky and likes bondage, likes ball gags, likes to be controlling. You like to be controlled. So there's a little seed there that you can work with. And so he escalated in the smallest way by suggesting really simple bondage, where you're not even, if you're just wearing handcuffs, if you're not handcuffed to anything or tied to anything or immobilized or in crazy restraints, you're not that helpless, particularly if you can still kick the guy in the face, right? He escalated in the tiniest way. He didn't necessarily expect you to say yes, he just expected you to consider it, and you have considered it and your considered response your considered answer is maybe maybe later maybe after i get to know you better and then if he ghosts you obviously bondage is something that he absolutely requires to sustain interest in a new person and you're not right for each other but if you say hey maybe at some point down the line after we get to know each other better we've hooked up a half a dozen more times maybe then And he fucks the shit out of you six more times and doesn't whine or get you over there for the next date and have the handcuffs sitting out and hopes you'll change your mind in the moment. If he proves to you in his reaction to you saying, no, not yet, not now, but maybe if he proves to you that he can be trusted, that he is a safe person, you may feel comfortable six months from now in updating your answer. But again, if he reacts badly or he's manipulative, uh, then you're right to never see him again and ghost on him. But I don't know if he's going to react that way. So at least give him the opportunity to react in such a way that you may wind up feeling comfortable having this new experience with him. And not just as Amy Muse proves in her research into communal sexual strength, not just for him, but also for you. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple of comments about last week's show posted at savage.love. Says by Dan Fan, fantastic advice to Ms. Beer Can Dan. She was the caller who enjoyed anal with her slim dicked ex, but her current partner's beer can cock was too thick to go easily into her butt. I would only add, Dan Fan continues, does Mr. Beer Can want anal? I think most men with huge dicks accept that the price they pay is butt sex won't be possible for them, and some men don't want to stick their dicks in butts anyway. Very good point. Says Quantum of Mollusks, Dan, I enjoyed the conversation with two dykes and a mic. The discussion of whether having sexual preferences that exclude trans people counts as bigoted made me wonder why we can't just have a sensible middle ground. On the one hand, trans folks or short men or fat people or whatever sometimes feel undateable because of aspects of their body they didn't choose. On the other hand, it's hardly reasonable to expect someone to date, fuck, and marry somebody that they're not attracted to just to prove they aren't a bigot. So why not just keep preferences like that to yourself? Date whoever you want, don't date whoever you want, but don't publicly announce why certain people are disqualified from your dating pool. Doesn't that seem easy? Yes, that'll work, but only if people regard no as a final answer and not the beginning of an interrogation. There are people out there who hear no and then immediately ask, it's because I'm fill in the blank, isn't it? So it seems to me that in addition to people being discreet and considerate about how they express and act on their preferences, or their orientations, when we are rejected, and we all get rejected, we need to refrain from asking but hurt accusatory follow up questions. Take the no, go find the yes. And finally, Mistress W over on Blue Sky writes I know you love your royal gossip, Dan. Well, have I got an assassination and succession scandal for you? Turns out the queen of the naked mole rat colony at the National Zoo, who reigned for 11 years, was just murdered by another naked mole rat who seized the throne. Good news for fans of The Crown and true crime documentaries. The National Zoo has a live 24-7 naked mole rat cam, which means it's all on tape. All right, for more listener comments and more of my responses, check out Struggle Session, a weekly bonus column for Magnum Subs, which goes up every Thursday at savage.love. And now, listener response calls. Hi, Dan. I'm calling about the woman who left a message about the uh, boyfriend that she was leaving and co-parenting. And she was upset because he wanted to discuss uh, with her the uh, reasons why the relationship failed. You know, you say he's being manipulative and uh, almost like uh, aggressive and abusive.
3: You know, I think he's due some answers If she really wants to co-parent with this person,
2: she owes him the honesty of why it didn't work out. You don't have to go through a therapist or counselor for that. You just have to have a talk. Obviously, if he's being aggressive or violent, then no. But, you know, then the whole co-parent thing is kind of off the table as well.
5: Hi, Dan. I'm calling in regards to the woman who called you for advice about the fact that her husband... Keeps or her assumed-to-be ex-husband, keeps bringing up topics of conversation that she doesn't want to discuss with him. And while your answer was very compassionate and very thorough, I strongly disagree with you. It is not the caller's responsibility in this context to do the work of helping the husband feel better about the breakup. That's his responsibility. And if he's having so much difficulty, he can find a therapist for himself. If he somehow feels that there is something to be resolved that requires uh, his ex-wife to attend, he can ask her at that point to join him with the therapist. So I would strongly encourage the caller to tell her ex-husband that if he's going to keep manipulating the time where he and she are alone together during family time for the sake of the child, there's not going to be any more family time. There's going to be mummy time and there's going to be daddy time and never the twain shall meet. And that's a choice that he will be responsible for if he chooses to violate that boundary.
6: Hi, Dan, Nancy, Tech Savvy Youth. I'm a 68-year-old grandma here, and I've learned so much from listening to your podcast. Well, first of all, I was a podcast virgin. I had never paid for a podcast before, but your website made it super easy, and I had no idea it was so inexpensive to do. I even gave it as a birthday present and Christmas this year. Second, words that have changed my life that you have said are that men get horny and have sex and women have sex to get horny. Oh my God, so true. The third one I wanted to tell you about is I so enjoyed your New Year's podcast with the two dykes on a mic and your discussion about pronouns. And I want to tell you about uh, how this new generation is so adaptable. My six-year-old grandson was telling me that he wished his mom would have another baby. And silly me, I asked him, well, would you like it to be a boy or a girl? And he said, it'd be way more fun if it was a they, them. So there you have it, Dan. We're, we're a changing world, and that next generation is going to have no problem with pronouns. Thanks for all you do for all the sexuals. Keep up the good work.
1: And we're going to leave it there. There are three ways to get us your question or your comment for a future show. You can record your question or comment at savage.love slash askdown, or you can make a voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love, or you can call us on our landline and leave us a message at 206-302-2064. Big news about Hump 2024. We had so many great submissions that we are going to have two Hump film festivals this year. That's two full nights of amazing, inventive, creative porn and erotica. One in the spring, one in the fall. Hump 2024 Part 1 premieres in Seattle. February 8th, and then tours through the spring. Hump 2024 Part 2 comes this fall. You can check out the lineups for both Humps, Part 1 and Part 2, right now at humpfilmfest.com. And while you're there, get your tickets for a screening for Part 1 now. Follow me on Instagram and Threads at Dan Savage. Follow me on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. And I'm still lurking. On the bad place at Fake Dance Savage. Follow Demona Hoffman on Instagram and threads at Demona Hoffman and check out her website and order her new book, F the Fairy Tale, at DemonaHoffman.com. The Savage Love Cast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with an installment of The Savage Love Cast. Thank you so much for downloading.